Welcome to another of the Instant Cood Street podcasts that Jonathan and Strawn and I have been doing while we're all cowering in terror in our homes. This is Gary Wolf, and today we're spending 10 minutes with multiple Hugo Award-winning author and astute man of letters, Michael Swanwick. Welcome to the 10 minutes with Michael. It's a pleasure to be air quotes here. Well, let me get right into our uh, questions because I'm finding out all kinds of fascinating things about what people read. Um, And it's never what I'm expecting. So the first question is, what are you reading now and, and, and what do you think about it? Is it any good? Is it worth reading? Well, I'm reading Carl Schrader's uh, new book, and uh, I love everything about it except its uh, title, which um, I have trouble remembering. Um, Stealing Worlds, I think it is. And it's um, Carl's known as being a far future hard science guy, and this is a near future hard science. Um, Hmm. And uh, it's uh, quite a fascinating and terrifying world he has it's very much like our world except that it continues to um to evolve in the direction it's been going and i think it had the single most uh, terrifying uh observation i have read in science fiction in at least the past year is uh at one point the character uh is in a, a restaurant and reflects on the fact that the waitress is probably working for free in the vain hope to, to build up a good enough uh, record as a worker that she'll have a shot at getting a paid job someday. Oh dear. That sounds way possible. too close. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds terrifyingly possible. It does. So, um, it's, it's a, it's, I think it's challenging as his far future work, uh, at times sort of hard to realize, hard to visualize. It's all about nested virtual reality worlds and about turning gaming into a currency, into an alternate currency. <laughs> wow. So it's quite a book. Now, it, it sounds like things that he knows a lot about because the whole idea of gaming and currency is this something that people are talking about right now, I gather. He's he's also he's um, a professional, what they used to call futurologist, uh, and they've got a new name for it now because Alvin Toffler uh, killed that word for people right. in the field. Um, but every time I talk to him, he 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 has new ideas, uh, new concepts, things I'd never thought about. So it's always a pleasure to see him. I wish he lived uh, a little closer. I uh, would love to. Uh, we should talk to him on one of these little podcasts, I suppose. Good idea. Good. He is full of good observations. Anything else you're reading that's interesting or anything you'd like to recommend for people to read during the period of cowering at home? Well, mostly I'm doing research for, for my next several books. So uh-huh. not a lot of a lot of nonfiction and a lot of it's not all that interesting, I'm afraid. But is there comfort reading that you find going back to? I've been talking to people who are going back and reading, uh, I don't know, Louise Gluck's poetry, for example. Or um, I was just talking to someone who's reading the autobiography of George Sand. Uh, uh, anything like that that you go to, that you turn to in times like this? Well, I'm, I'm not bothered by these times. Okay. <laughs> I'm absolutely fearless. Uh, I discovered this. 
um, uh, it takes a, an actual mental effort uh, when I go out to act afraid, which is the responsible thing to do. I suppose so. Um, uh, for comfort food, I would recommend Doorways in the Sand by Roger Zelazny. It is, and, you know, it, it has it's it's enormously entertaining. It has bright, colorful, new ideas every chapter. It's enormously fun, um, really. And uh, I, I reread it every few years just for fun. Well, you uh, you you mentioned Zelazny, who was at the time that he just burst on the scene in the '60s. Uh, seemed to be one of those people that just had more ideas than he knew what to do with. And he, was, he, he was wise at the time because he used them up. He threw in as many ide- new ideas into his work as he could. Mm-hmm. And a lot, of, a lot of new writers are under the impression that ideas are precious and they have to be they have to be hoarded and gloated over, you know, and, they, <laughs> and, and, and given out sparingly. You know, they, they basically turn themselves uh, into golem. But in fact, when you use up your ideas, that inspires new ideas in you and new ideas come in to fill the gap. Whereas if you hoard the old ideas, what happens is they, they, they turn older and older until they're brown and brittle and no use for anybody. Pretty much like Gollum did. Exactly. That's, a, that's an interesting analogy. That's something I'll, I'll probably borrow that at some point. It's yours. Okay, thank you. Uh, and the third thing we want to get to is what do you have coming out into the world or out in the world now that you'd like to call attention to? Well, what I have out right now is my uh, wonderfully entertaining uh, fantasy novel, The Iron Dragon's Mother. And this completes a, an accidental trilogy I began 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're uh, all three standalone books because you could not take one set of characters over 25 years and leave your uh, uh, readers waiting decades to find out what happens to them. Um, this is in my industrialized fairy land. Mm-hmm. They all have in common are mechanical dragons who are like a cross between fighter air, fighter jets and demons. And it's, yeah. <clears throat> and it's as I, one of the reviews that I saw said, this is one of the, maybe the great fantasy trilogy of the last several decades. Well, it's uh, what I'm trying for. Um, well, but but the, the idea of a trilogy, which you're right, the setting is the same, and you're kind of uh, just taking anything you like. I mean, it's not just that there's a fantasy world, which is also a science fiction world, but it seems to me it's also our world, too. The thing that impressed me about, I think the middle book uh, maybe was The Dragons of Babel, where one of the characters is, I think, on the train, listening to Duke Ellington's Take the A Train. That was my favorite moment from that book. Oh, really? Because um, what happens is somebody turns on the radio and and he hears music that sounds like the music that the stars dance to on the dawn of the first day of existence. And Mm -hmm. he says... What is that? And somebody says, that's Duke Ellington. Let's take the A-train. And the thing about it is that description of the stars dancing at dawn of the first day, that's the sort of thing that you run across in fantasy novels always, and you could yeah. never imagine it. And the answer just came to me. And I said, yes, that is a song good enough to open creation with. 
that's a great uh, a, a great choice, by the way. Oh, yeah. we should just to, to be a purist, we should probably acknowledge that I think that song was written by Billy Strayhorn and not Ellington. You're right. Uh, he Ellington gets all the credit because he did several of the best versions. Right, exactly. So, well, you have something coming out with Gardner Dozois, don't you? I do. I have a novel. It's called City Under the Stars. And this began something like 20 years ago. Actually, this is an incredibly long and wonderful story, and I have to have to shorten this drastically. But something like 20 years ago, he and I uh, wrote a uh, a novella called The City of God. And it mm-hmm. opens with a description that he had written 15, 20 years before of a man shoveling coal into a hole. And among his friends, this section, uh, this bit of writing was was famous mm-hmm. because uh, over the course of several pages where the man does nothing but shovel coal into a hole, you get to watch a man's life and soul destroyed. Ooh. And at the end of those pages, there is nowhere for him to go, but he goes on and things get worse. And Gardner was never known as uh, uh, a bright, upbeat writer. But this was what, probably the bleakest story that he ever wrote. Um, he had come to a stopping point. He could not figure out the problem. And mm-hmm. um, I came up with a solution. And we wrote the novella. It came out. It was well received. We were very happy with it. But over the years, we kept talking about doing two more novellas, A City of Men and the City of Angels. Mm-hmm. And the City of Angels would have been the middle one. And then putting them together and publishing them as a book. And we, but we were very busy. You know, Gardner yeah. was an incredibly busy man. And um, we kept not writing it and not writing it. And then finally we started writing the second novella. And halfway through that, Gardner died. Oh, yeah. And the thing about it was that Gardner had an ending for the novel, and it was a happy ending. Doesn't sound like Gardner. Oh, this is a wonderfully happy ending. Oh, really? And, not, and, uh, uh, and I wanted people to know that Gardner had a happy, upbeat, joyous ending hmm. in him. So um, I knew I could not write the third novella without his participation it would have just been an imitation Gardner Dozois novella uh-huh. and you would have felt the difference so I took the second novella and I threw out a lot of middle of the book plot I changed its direction so we'd come to the ending sooner than we had originally planned and uh, I wrote the ending that Gardner had talked about in detail mm. uh, beforehand now, my wife, Marianne, when she was reading this, she was nine-tenths of the way through the second novella. She said, this isn't going to end well, is it? I said, no, 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 happy ending. <laughs> oh, one of your happy endings. I said, no, happy ending for everybody. And then she had to admit it's a joyous, happy ending. I took the two novellas, I put them together, and then I rewrote them so that they all came together smoothly and broke it into chapters so it would not feel like two novellas one after the other. So what we have here is a real book, 
And I wanted to write that. I wanted to finish that Mm -hmm. as a memorial to Gardner. One last novel from Gardner Dozois. And he goes out on a happy note. That's a great gesture. And I'm I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful novel. When is it coming out? It's coming out August 20th is the scheduled date. Excellent. We don't know how this is going to the current uh, pandemic is going to affect publishing, but we'll find out. Okay. It'll, it'll be either August 20th or not too long after that. From uh, I should mention from uh, Tor.com. Excellent. So, uh, paperback, uh, trade paperback original. Well, thank you very much. Again, we've been talking 10 minutes. We're a little over 10 minutes, but we're trying to be um, cautious about this. Been talking with Michael Swanwick, uh, who has got an exciting novel coming out with Gardner Dozois that I'm looking forward to now. And again, this has been 10 Minutes With, a feature of the Cood Street Podcast. This is Gary Wolf, and join us the next time.